If you would, turn with me to John 17 tonight. John chapter 17, and our text is found in verses 17 through 19. John 17, verses 17 through 19. We'll read uh, those three verses as we begin. Beginning there in verse 17. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. I've simply entitled our study tonight, Sanctify Them, or we could title it, Sanctify Them Through Thy Truth. As we have witnessed the wondrous prayer of our Savior, we see that each time we come to a different section, we see his prayer is, in a sense, it's advancing. It's not advancing because it's getting better, but it's advancing in the realities of what he's praying for, what he's asking for. He's prayed, of course, for unity. He's prayed for their joy, that their joy might be full. He's prayed for them to be preserved. And now he prays for their sanctification. Sanctify them through thy truth. Now there's a couple of different ways we could look at this and a couple different approaches we could. We could look at it, first of all, by the word sanctification. Or we could begin by considering the word truth. I think it's beneficial for us to look at it from the perspective of truth first. Not that it's sanctification is unimportant, but that he is praying that this process or this standing of sanctification would be accomplished through truth. Now, some people will tell you, and some will still say to this day, that there is truth in the Word of God. They'll say there is some nuggets of truth. There are some places where truth is found, and if I was backed into a corner, yes, I would choose the Word of God to find some aspect of truth. However, it's ultimately they cannot say that the Word of God is truth. They would simply say it contains some truth. However, that's not the way that Christ speaks in this prayer. He doesn't speak in a fashion that suggests that there is only a portion of truth or some nugget of truth. He simply says, thy word is truth. The word is truth. So even Christ is teaching us here and showing us that God's word is, in fact, the truth itself. Uh, there is no doubt that the word of God is under attack. It's been under attack for decades. It's being attacked on its authenticity. It's being attacked on can it be trusted? Can it be, is it inerrant? Uh, all these different things in an attempt to dispel the reality of truth. Uh, we would think man would want to be told the truth. And we live in a day and age when man actually is crying out, just lie to me. Don't tell me what really truth is because I don't want to hear the truth. But God's people want to hear the truth. God's people don't want to hear anything but the truth. 
I would be quite concerned about you tonight if you would say, I, I want you to lie. Or I want to know dishonest things. You see, we want truth. We want the truth as it's given in the Word of God. It's remarkable to me that all throughout this prayer, and it continues here in this section, that we don't see the Lord Jesus himself thinking about his own sufferings. He's not praying that God would remove his sufferings. His thoughts are occupied with those concerns of his disciples and what we'll begin to look at even in more depth next week, the concerns of his people. All of his prayers are for them that they may be made and be sanctified, made holy, and that God would be glorified in them. It's a deep prayer. It's a prayer of someone who's praying with perfect knowledge. Uh, you and I, when we pray, uh, we desire to pray with perfect knowledge, but it's not always perfect. It's not always with the right motive. It's not always with the right intent because we still have that old dwell, indwelling sin that even sometimes we pray sinfully. We ask amiss. But everything that our Lord prays to the Father about, he prays in truth, not an ounce of falsehood, not an ounce of speaking that he may get something or that is for his benefit. No, he's praying on behalf of his people. So we see here that this very first part of chapter, of, uh, chapter 17 and verse 17 he uses the term sanctify through that very truth. Our Savior here is praying that the Father would, in a sense, devote these disciples unto Himself. Now, how is that going to be done? How is an individual going to be devoted or set apart unto another individual? Well, He shows us this sanctification to sanctify them, the disciples in context here, through truth. That's how they are going to be set apart unto you. Through thy truth. Through the truth that the Bible tells us would be engraven and imprinted upon their hearts by the Spirit. You see, when we are converted, when we are regenerate, when we are, are passed from death unto life, the Holy Spirit applies this process of sanctification. We are immediately set apart. And that's one aspect of sanctification. We're set apart as one of His. But it's all based upon the truth. As we read there in John 16, you notice that one of the uh, specific statements there is that in verse 13 he says how be it when he the spirit of truth is come he will guide you into what into all truth that means the holy spirit when he comes in the place of where jesus christ bodily is he said the spirit is also going to guide you into all truth That was the promise to guide them, as we see there. Truth and guiding through truth, sanctifying through the truth, is to, in, to have possession of the truth, to know the truth. 
Again, why do we know the truth? We know the truth because the Holy Spirit is guiding us into all truth. You see, we hold these truths of God's word so dear, but we're holding on to them because we are sanctified by the truth and it is the spirit that is guiding us into the understanding of that truth. That's why truth is precious to us. That's why you and I are in full agreement, I believe, that we want the truth. You don't want me to tell you things that are not true. So our Savior here prays that God would certainly sanctify them through this truth. That this truth would be in them. The knowledge of the truth. In Acts chapter 15, verse 9, we see as the Gentiles were told about having their hearts purified by faith, it says, and put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Not only is sanctification a process of setting apart, but it's also the process of purifying and setting us in the ways of holiness. Now, I realize holiness is a term that is falling out of favor very quickly. It's falling out of favor in our churches and it's falling out of a desire to live holy lives. But you realize that part of the spirit of truth and part of the, the application of that truth not only is a setting apart of you positionally, but also from the practical standpoint that we are to live holy lives not just sanctified and set apart and then free to do as you would, as you will. Thy word is truth. Again, that is a, a very strong declaration. Your word is what sanctifies. Your word that is truth. What is truth? It's his word. It's the gospel. Christ himself is saying here that that you, the truth that I've given them, the truth that I have spoken unto them, what I have preached unto them, it's not truth like the doctrine of others. It's not the doctrine of the false prophets. It's not the doctrine of the Pharisees, which is dangerous because the doctrine of the Pharisees is that there are some truths within what they were proclaiming. Not everything the Pharisees said was a lie. It was truth mingled with error. That's the, that's the, uh, the worst deception. Because deception, the most dangerous deception, is that which is closest to the truth. That's why the pharisaical teachings are so dangerous then and why they're so dangerous now. Because it sounds like truth. It sounds like I can trust that. It sounds like Maybe I should consider that. But the reality is that the pharisaical truth is only partly true. But it's also partly false. We do know, scripturally speaking, that truth, a foundational truth of where this purifying of the heart comes from, is that it is the blood of Christ which cleanses from all sin. It's the blood of Christ which purifies the heart. It's the Holy Spirit that applies these truths to our conscience. It's the Holy Spirit that applies this to us. It is the Holy Spirit that is the sanctifier. 
But it's in and through the word of God being preached is how this truth is applied to the soul. That's why it is a very bad mistake to neglect the hearing and the preaching of the word of God to yourself. It's, it's to our great neglect of our own soul to neglect the hearing of the word because it is, it is the word being preached that the Holy Spirit uses not only to convert, but to sanctify. Now there's a lot of new uh, fads that are have been taking over Christianity for a long time, new ways to grow people into this Christ-likeness. But you realize that the way man is growing into this Christ-likeness is by the Holy Spirit of God as the word of truth is being preached and sanctification, the conforming into the image of Christ, is occurring. But you realize that the preaching of the word of God is taking the backstage in a lot of churches now. The preaching is not what it's about. It's now about, it's about the worship time. It's about the musicians. It's about the band. And sadly, it's, it's about the smoke and the lights. And we, we've, that's what we come for. No, we come to the house of God because we're thirsty for the truth. And we're trusting that God, through whoever that man is, is proclaiming the truth that the Spirit is going to take that word effectually in power, convert who needs to be converted, but then also sanctify those who are already believers. Now we know that in our text, contextually, that this part of the prayer, Jesus is speaking directly about the disciples. There were things the disciples were going to endure that were specifically directed at them. When we read John 16, in verse number 2, it said, They shall put you out of the synagogues, yea, the time cometh, that whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God's service. The disciples faced that. They were put out of the synagogues. Now this is not directly applied to you and I being put out of the synagogues, but it was to the disciples. And that there would be men who would say, by killing you, I'm doing God a good service. You realize the Apostle Paul at one time believed that. He believed that as he was taking out people that were of that way, that he was doing God's service. Paul thought he was a possessor of the truth when he was Saul, but he was only in possession of partly part truth. So the disciples were going to face things. He goes on, and as we saw in John 16, these things will they do unto you because they have not known the Father nor me. They are not in possession of truth. They're going to do this to you because of me. And of course, that's where we saw that he told them in verse 12, I have yet many things to say unto you, but ye cannot bear them now. But then he said, how be it? When he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. So this process of sanctifying them, sanctifying the disciples was about the coming of the Holy Spirit, applying these truths to their hearts. 
Now I'm back in our text, notice in John 17, 18, he goes on, he says, as thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. Again, the emphasis here is on the disciples. Our Lord was sent into this world to accomplish the full redemption of his people, to fulfill the gospel, to obey and keep the law, to fulfill all the demands of the law, and also to proclaim this glorious gospel. He was sent by the Father. Christ did not take this glory or this honor unto himself. As a matter of fact, Paul writes in Philippians that he didn't, he didn't give away his deity or do away with his glory. He just set that which he was worthy of, he just set it aside in order to accomplish the Father's will. And that's what Jesus is talking about here. He says, Father, you've sent me into the world to do these things. And, as a, and then even now have I also sent them into the world. Again, talking about the disciples here. The Father ordained and sent the Son. Christ in like manner says, like you've sent me, Father, now I send them into the world. These apostles, these disciples were appointed, they were ordained, they were chosen, and they were sent by Christ as his ambassadors, armed with truth. Without the truth, they just would have been people. Armed with the truth, they now are preachers of the gospel. People, yes, but possessors and proclaimers of truth. In John 20, verses 21 through 23, then said Jesus to them again, peace be unto you, as my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and saith unto them, receive ye the Holy Ghost. The Lord making this statement in anticipation of what occurred at Pentecost. But we see that they're being sent forth as his ambassadors. Matthew Poole puts it this way about that verse in verse 18. He says, that it, it, here's, here's the meaning. He says, my father, they have not, with regard to the disciples, have not thrust themselves into their employment. They have not run without sending. For as I am thine apostle, as I was sent by thee, so I have sent them. The apostles indeed were not sent for the same end in all things that Christ was sent, who was sent to purchase salvation for men as well as to preach the gospel. And I like this part. But they were sent in part for the same work for which Christ was sent. They were sent by him who had authority to send them, and as it is but reasonable for princes to protect those whom themselves send upon their embassies, so it was but reasonable that God should defend and protect those whom his son had sent out as his ambassadors. You see, they were doing the same work. They were carrying out the message of the gospel. Not purchasing salvation, armed with truth, and proclaiming the gospel to sinners. 
The second half of that verse, or verse 19 rather, notice he, we go one step further here. He says, and for their sakes, I sanctify myself. Now we cannot understand the Lord saying, I sanctify myself as the Lord saying, I need to be purified. Or I in some way need to make myself holy as if he had sin. What he is saying, again, think about sanctification, not only being set apart, but also that part that we're being transformed into the holiness and the conformity by Christ. He's saying, I set myself apart as a sacrifice for sin. In other words, what he's saying is, I am willingly setting myself apart to accomplish the work of redemption the very message that they are going to take into the world. I set myself apart as a sacrifice. A sacrifice that, biblically speaking, we know would be the only sacrifice that would be well-pleasing and acceptable to the Father. In other words, if Christ does not sanctify himself and set himself apart as this acceptable sacrifice, then no person on this planet can be sanctified. It is through his setting himself apart, going to that cross, we have sung every hymn tonight with the intention of thinking about what Jesus Christ was accomplishing on the cross. I think it was the last hymn we sang, Old, old Rugged Cross, and it says, I sanctify them. It's an amazing thing that Jesus Christ, what he was accomplishing there on the cross Sanctify myself here, of course, means nothing more than I set myself apart as a sacrifice. Consider sanctification or setting apart in the ancient Old Testament times under the law. It was signified or illustrated by the setting of persons and things apart to a special service of God. It was also accompanied with ritual performances and ceremonies. Now, of course, the old law and that ceremonial law has passed away, but this setting apart for the special service of God is still done inwardly now and spiritually when a man is regenerated. He's being set apart for the work. These disciples were being set apart for the work by God. It's the renewing of the heart. It's the effectual working of the Holy Spirit that does that. I don't inwardly, spiritually set myself apart. I don't regenerate myself. I don't birth again myself. The Holy Spirit does that. It's a work of God. So Christ is saying here that contextually for His disciples, He has sanctified Himself being not only the priest, but also the sacrifice. But then notice, he says at the end of verse 19, he says that they also might be sanctified through the truth. It's almost a repeat of what he said in verse 17. Sanctify them through thy truth. The Father, of course, gave unto the Son those in which he chose by divine election. The Son, of course, sanctified us by the sacrifice that He made, and the Holy Spirit sanctifies us in this regeneration 
in calling us unto salvation, but also in the believing of the truth. You believe the truth as a direct act of God. How precious is the truth to you tonight? How precious is it when you see things that are being done in the name of God that are so far from what actual truth is? How does your heart break when you see one or a group who says this is a church and yet what they're proclaiming is so far from truth you don't even know where to begin? See, you're in possession of the truth and it's the Holy Spirit of God which is guiding you into that truth and is what's giving you the understanding to know I hear and I'm seeing truth. And when you see that which is untrue, that's a result of the Holy Spirit guiding you. It's not because you're growing more intellectually intelligent. It's because the Spirit of God is guiding you into that which is truth. That's, that's glorious to think about. And all based on nothing that you did. You didn't earn the right to truth. But you have the privilege and the gift of truth to be able to identify that which is contrary to God's Word. The Holy Spirit of God gives you that. Christ sets Himself apart as this sacrifice. Not only did He set Himself apart for our eternal life, but He sets it apart even like He prayed for His disciples that their joy might be full. Imagine thinking about all the things that the Apostle Paul was saying in the book of Ephesians, and especially in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, about those people that God chose that they should be holy and without blame before Him in love. Think about what Paul says in those wonderful verses of Ephesians 5, 25 and 26 when he speaks about the purchase that Christ made. He gave Himself for His church. That he might what? Sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water. Our Savior here in our text is saying that he sets himself apart for the sacrifice for our sins. That his people might be sanctified through the truth. That is by receiving this truth. And again, spiritual truth is not just received in the ears. It's received in the heart. Every believer, every true believer loves the truth. Some of you have shared with me, and I won't give names, but some of you have shared with your, your own testimony that there was a time when you did not love God's Word. Where hearing God's Word made you almost cringe. It made you almost angry. You realize even a good man who is good is not saved, but he's a, he's a morally upright, standing, good standing man. He may be charitable. He may be a good father. He may be a good husband. But he's void of the truth. Even that good man, air quotes, good man, will become agitated at the gospel. He's agitated because he does not have the truth dwelling within him. 
That's why there's such a rejection when you try to talk about the things of God. That's why you're rejected in the workplace. That's why you're rejected in school is because you're dealing with people who do not possess truth. And yet when truth is spoken to a person who does not possess truth, they hate it. And the gospel, of course, the true gospel cannot be proclaimed without proclaiming the reality of sin. Men love darkness rather than light. Men love lies better than truth. Think about what is being attempted to brainwash you with in society that is so far removed from truth and it is a constant barrage of falsehood. But do you realize every child of God ought to be able to see that and say, I know that is false. That has no impact on me at all. Because you're in possession of the truth. The Spirit of God will guide you into all things that are truth. It'll guide you. It'll testify. He'll testify of me, the Lord said. The Spirit doesn't even testify of Himself. He testifies of your certainty and the surety that's in Christ Jesus. Our Savior here wants us to understand that it's not, He doesn't just want His disciples to get this in their ears, but He wants them to get it in their hearts. That they love the truth. People who love the truth, who are in possession of the truth, will show the fruits of that truth. Therein lies practical sanctification. You're going to show holiness in your life. Not just in what you say, but what you do. Holiness is a fruit of sanctification. Again, that's disappearing from many sermons because we don't want to be told how to live. But yet, when the Spirit of God is there, there will be fruit. Christ prayed for His disciples. Think about where we've been. Not only that they would be kept from evil, but that they would be protected. It is the prayer of our Lord that all that are His, that they would also be made holy. You know, even though the Lord prayed these things, He would give instruction to His disciples that they should pray for this grace. They should pray that the Spirit would grant them these things. The very means of grace is found through the truth. Thy word is truth. Do you realize, just kind of by way of a, maybe this is an obscure application, but do you realize that that's why we are so intentional about the word of God and scripture being put before you? That's why we don't waste a lot of time during our corporate gatherings on anything but Scripture. Because that is the means of grace. That is the way in which God uses His Word. The Spirit takes that and effectually applies it to our life. There is more, there is more done than we realize when you take a chapter of the Bible and you just read it from verse 1 to verse 50, you just read the Scripture, the Holy Spirit of God is using that 
and applying that to your heart. No doubt God's given us preachers, given us men that can preach, has had the ability to expound the Word of God. But it would do us well to just simply allow the Word of God to read it and just allow, and I'm using that term loosely, but the Spirit taking that and applying that truth to us. Because it's the Spirit that's doing it anyway. I'm not sanctifying you. The Spirit of God is. I'm not convicting you. The Spirit of God is. Ultimately, I'm not even encouraging you. If you're encouraged tonight, it's not me. It's the Spirit of God that's encouraging you because you've heard the truth. Not because you've heard a good speaker. Not because you've heard a person who studied this week. No, it's because the Word of God is being applied. Truth. That's why when you hear something that's not true, you begin to ask questions. Sanctify them. Set them apart for thyself and for thy service, our Lord says. Jesus, of course, was completely given over to his work. He wants his disciples to be given over and wholly devoted to the work in which he's sending them to do as well. Matthew Henry puts it this way. He says, The real holiness and sanctification of all true Christians is the fruit of Christ's death by which the gift of the Holy Ghost was purchased. Did you catch that? The real holiness and sanctification of all true Christians is the fruit of Christ's death by which the gift of the Holy Ghost was purchased. Christ gave Himself for the church to sanctify it. And we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit which continually reminds us of the truth. The Word of God will have an effect on us. Now, I don't say this with any sort of pride or contempt of anyone, but the Word of God to a believer is never boring. It's never boring. Because it's not based upon the outward appearances. It's not based upon what, how man frames it, how man says it. It's not based upon his eloquence. You know, we forget... And I think we, 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 we are, we are uh, guilty of present. Everyone thinks because the Apostle Paul's letters were so doctrinally sound that Paul was some uh, very eloquent speaker. He was exactly the opposite of that. He knew, what, he knew what good oratory was. That's why they didn't, a lot of them didn't believe him. They're like, this man can't even speak. Because he wasn't relying on his speak and on his speech. He was relying on the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, God's people love the Word. They love the Word because they love the truth. Christ's prayer was sanctify them. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy Word is truth. I hope tonight you can say you love the truth. Let's pray together.